0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Discount Property Investor Podcast. This is your host, David Dodge. And today I wanna do a quick case study podcast recording about a deal that Mike and I just did. We closed about a week ago on it, and it netted us $108,000. It was a fix and flip deal. And the best part about this deal was, I went to the property seven, maybe eight times total. And Mike, I think maybe went five times. So basically 13 trips to the property netted us 108 grand. That's almost $10,000 a trip to go view the property. Such an awesome deal. We don't do that many six-figure flips, Um, at least not yet. This might've been our third or fourth one, but I'm excited to continue to do these six-figure flips because it's not any more work essentially than doing one that makes 15,000 or 20,000 or maybe less in some cases, right? So these deals are out there. And this episode is just going to be a case study talking about this particular deal. You're not going to be able to see any photos, of course, because this is audio, duh, but I'm going to do my best to describe all of the deal, how it came about the situation. So let's jump on in. So first and foremost, the lead source came to us from a friend who's a real estate agent. So it was a networking lead, a free lead essentially. And she knew that we bought houses that had massive fire damage, water damage, rehab needed, you name it, just you know properties that need work. As is is what we do, folks. We buy properties as is for cash and we fix them up. So we had a friend who was a real estate agent. She had a client and that client had a property that had recently caught fire and there were some other issues going on there was the actual owner was in jail and i met with the father a super nice guy and he had a power of attorney to sign the docs on behalf of his son and they just wanted out and we're not going to go into the details of why they were in jail but again it's just it was a problem and that's the point at the end of the day anyway it doesn't matter what the problem is us as real estate investors our job is to help solve problems for people. That's what we did. So they brought us the deal. She brought us the deal because that was her client to call me up one day and said, Dave, hey, I got this property. It's out in uh, St. Peter's and it's maybe 30 minutes from my office, not even 25 minutes from my office. And it's a great area. And she said, it's got some fire damage. You know, would you come out and take a look at it? And I said, sure. So I met her and him, the client, out at the property. And I even called my general contractor. In advance, because I had some advance notice, and said, "Hey, I got this property that's got fire damage. I'd love to bring you with me, so I don't need to keep getting in it and bothering them again. I want to solve problems, not create problems, right?" Pro tip: Bring a GC with you if you, you know, think you got yourself a deal. One less trip. So that's what I did, and we get out to the property, and it did have some some good fire damage. But the thing was, on this one, is the fire damage was isolated to just the downstairs hallway and stairs. And, I, and 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 again, I want to repeat what I just said. The fire damage was now the smoke had gotten to everything. The entire house had a you know a little glazing, a dusting of soot. The ceiling was completely covered, and you know most of the the top few inches of all the walls. But even the floors, like everything, the windows, everything was covered in soot. But the fire itself was limited to the stairs. So I'm talking to the seller and my friend who's the agent who brought us the deal, and they're essentially saying that they think the property's, you know going to be worth the after repair value, you know, somewhere between 230 and, and 250. But they got a estimate, I think maybe two even, from a local construction company or a rehab company, probably somebody that just does kitchens and baths, to rehab the home. and their estimate, I believe is 130 to 150. It was a lot. It was a big number. So they essentially took 250 minus 150 got 100,000 and then they knew there needs to be a profit for me, so they discounted it even more and essentially had an asking price of about 65,000. Now we all know that if we have our own companies, our own GCs, our own crews do the rehabs versus just getting quotes, or hopefully you all know this, from one or two companies, that that's not gonna necessarily be the final price. So me and my GC, we're walking the property, we see that most of it is soot, and that we can scrape the walls or paint over them with a thick Kills paint and completely mask the, the smell and not have to necessarily go and rip every single thing out like most of the bids. Of course, the stairs were gonna need to be ripped out and the steps and replaced and redone, and windows would have to be replaced. And then ceiling was probably going to have to come out. But not everything was going to have to come out. Essentially, probably only about 15, 20% of the property needed to be gutted. The rest of it could be remediated. So we're looking. We're doing some quick math. And I pull my contractor outside and I say, Hey, this has got a lot of damage and a lot of work. Yeah, we get that. We both agree we acknowledge. But 150000 like, man, that's just seems a lot like really really aggressive which i mean I, i'm literally sitting here thinking i think i could probably do this for 60 to 70 grand and my gc you know he's is like that may be a little aggressive but you're not too far off of the true cost whereas the sellers thought that it was going to be 150 because of the the bids they got so i'm running my numbers and i essentially take 250 Multiply it by about seven, maybe even 75%. Subtract out my rehab costs. Then I essentially get an MAO of about 105000 which means that I could be willing to pay 105000 for this, rehab it, buy it, rehab it, sell it for what I think it's going to sell for it, and make a pretty good 15 to 20% profit margin. But of course, when we do our calculations and we get our MAOs, that's the most... That weren't willing to pay, so I had a 105 MAO, and I'm essentially thinking, all right, I'm gonna go in at like 85 or 90, but give myself a wiggle room, of course, but see if I can't get them to agree to 85 or 90. But then, right before I'm going to make my offer, they they didn't tell me their asking price; they just told me the rehab budgets. Right before I go to make my offer, I say, "Do you guys have like a price in mind? Because if it's a good number, like we don't we can save ourselves a bunch of headache and just just go with that number." And they said, yeah, we, we do. We we're, were really just hoping to get 65000 for this property. We don't want to haggle. We think that that's a super aggressive number. And by the way, the house was paid off prior to the fire. So they didn't have a mortgage or, you know, so this was a vacant, absentee, fire-damaged, 100% equity home with ownership of at least three or four years. All those things essentially stacked to have made a really, made for you know a really good situation. But again, I had an MAO 105 willing to offer 85 to 90, but then I ask, and this is a question that we should all ask every time. Hey, what's, you know, what's the buy it now number? What's the number, the no hassle number, the, the one that's a win-win for me and you. And I'm going to be honest, one out of a hundred times, that number is going to be lower than your offer, but one out of a hundred times, it is going to be lower. And if you make a thousand offers, that's, going to be 10 deals that you're going to get a whole run on so in this case I asked I said hey what's the buy it now price they said 65 they were running their numbers off 150k rehab and if they didn't have my crew and my expertise and the expertise that we teach you how to save money on your rehabs by not going to a person that's you know not necessarily doing full rehabs and knows the business they weren't wrong but we were just right because we knew how to do it better and cheaper. So. 65 is what he said I said you know what I didn't jump on it right away because I didn't want them to get too excited and come back for more money so I said let me think about it for a minute I'm in the back of my head thinking man this is a great deal I'm willing to pay 105 but probably offer 85 and they're they're willing to give it to me for 65 I was like let's let's get this thing signed right here right now so I give it a couple minutes and I'm just kind of scratching my head walking around getting pictures and videos My contractor's taking notes, you know, about putting together the rehab scope. And then I say, all right, let's do it. I can close in, you know, 10 days, give or take. They wanted it to be done quick and fast. And they didn't want to have to make any repairs. And they just wanted cash. And that's what I offered. That's the conveniences, folks, that we as investors provide. Yeah, there's a million things we can do to make someone's life convenient. But the 80-20 principle, 80% of the time... It comes down to the three things I mentioned: cash, quick, and as is. It always does. So we locked it up. We did some un- some other inspections. I think I went one or two more times before we bought it. Just updated things. Got some other people in there to get their opinion. Thought about wholesaling it and making a quick twenty, thirty grand. But I'm like, you know what? Let's let's just do this project. It doesn't seem that difficult. Again, it didn't. The fire damage didn't like affect the roof or the trusts or the floor joists, really, per se, any of those things, any of the major stuff. Instead, it was just mostly cosmetic soot. There was a little bit of siding. There was some drywall. There was some stairs. Again, there was a little, but it wasn't the full-blown house. In fact, it was very little. So we buy it. We move forward. Borrow all the money, private money, from a friend and a private money lender that I've been working with for a few years. We we borrowed $65,000 to purchase it. And then we borrowed another 80,000 for the rehab. We only ended up spending 73,000 at the end of the day. And the other 8,000 that we borrowed was essentially the private money interest that we paid back over the course of, I don't have the exact number of days in front of me here, but I want to say it was about four months start to finish just under actually, or no. Yeah. Roughly four months, four months and 10 days. Let's go with that. That's actually what comes to mind here. So it's a relatively quick fix and flip too, start to finish, considering we had to buy it, rehab it, list it with an agent, which Mike did, show it, negotiate. The buyers had a loan, so you know they couldn't close for 30 days. It's very, really quick in and out. So we buy it, borrow all the money, close on it, have the rehab funds wired over, give the GC about 15% down to get started, go buy materials. And he's able to get started right away because we gave him a heads up Two weeks, basically, the fact that we wanted him to do the job and get a quote and prepare. So whenever we left that house and I had a contract signed, he knew that he had to get going and start planning because in two weeks that was going to be on his plate. So again, some of the things we can do to line this up and, you know, essentially by being organized, we're saving money on interest, we're reducing risk, you know, going into a, a rehab without a, without a plan is a terrible idea. So we had a lot of time to plan. So we close on it, money gets wired over to close, money gets wired over to fund the rehab. By the way, the private money lender that we work with is in the first position of the property. They have a a note and we have a mortgage with them. It's all filed on the deed. So they have a lot of interest in the property. Essentially, if we don't pay our debts and and our mortgage or our private money loan back, they get the property. So there's very low risk. I think I've paid over $600,000 in private money interest in the last eight years. I was doing the math the other day. So if you have some extra private money, hit me up. We can talk. So give the contractor 15%. He's rocking. Within a week, he's got all the ceiling gutted out. He's got a lot of the walls cleaned up. We did gut out both of the bathrooms because the soot had just, you know, there was some damage to the kitchen cabinets. And the bathrooms were just a little dated. So we're like, you know what? Let's just use this opportunity to gut all this stuff out anyway. But again, most of this was was cosmetic. So we gutted out all the ceiling, cleaned up the walls, ordered the windows, fixed some of the siding. And then we had the electrician come out and wire some can lights into the new ceiling. We had to do some very, very minor electrical and plumbing, but very minor, not a ton at all. And then we had our drywall guys come in and re-drywall anything that had to get ripped out. New insulation went in behind it, then can lights. And then we painted everything. Painted those new ceilings, painted the walls, put in the new steps that take those out because they were burnt up. Do all the drywall and the stairs going downstairs. And then from there, started putting it back together just like we would any other rehab. The difference with this one was There was just more prep work involved. We had to rip a ceiling out, redo some electrical, put some insulation back in, mud it, tape it, paint it. And then it's the same as any other rehab. Now, again, I mentioned there wasn't any major damage to like joists or truss, which helps speed this up. We didn't have to go do those things. We got permits, but we didn't necessarily need building permits, we just needed permits to rehab because none of the structural stuff on this particular one had been affected. So moving forward. Now that we have the ceiling done, the electrical ran, some minor, minor stuff done, and everything gutted out, then it's just like the other rehabs we're doing. So it's just back to the scope of work here. All right, we need to get windows, call the window company. We need to get some siding fixed here, call a siding company. The GC does all this, he manages all this for us. Well, sometimes we'll do our own. Order the bathrooms, order the kitchens. I already had a ton of flooring on another project that I was able to use on this one and I had to buy a little bit just to offset the difference of the square footage. But this house was also a three-bedroom, I forgot to mention this, three-bedroom, two-bathroom, two-full bathroom, bathroom, but it was small. The house was like, I want to say it was like thirteen or 1,400 square foot. It had a basement and half the basement, maybe even 60% of the basement was finished with drywall and carpet. But it wasn't a very large house, which also allowed us to keep the rehab down as well as the time frame short. We were in and out of the rehab in about three months, which is awesome. So kitchen's ordered, flooring's in, start putting in the bathrooms, window company gets out to replace out the windows. So now we can run the HVAC and actually start painting and putting in trim. Cabinets go in. The GC wanted me to go pick out countertops and I just said, hey man, make an executive decision. Go, go send me three pictures. Of your favorite ones, I'll pick, and we're done. I don't really want to go do that. And he said, okay. And he went to his buddy who just sells granite, sent me three or four pictures. I picked, and I didn't have to leave my house. Now, I maybe have made two trips here. Mike maybe made one or two trips here at this point on top of the initial. So I'm probably at about four trips. Mike's probably at three. Then the countertops come. The light fixtures come. The trim goes in. Electrical fixtures are going in. Vanities and toilets are in windows are in we start doing a little minor landscaping i think i mentioned fixing a little bit of the siding though the the fire department did break out a couple windows hence the fact that we had to replace them to get into the house there was remarkably zero water damage which was just amazing they didn't come in there with hoses blasting they did use water to put the fire out but i also believe that they were able to just use fire extinguishers in fact because you there was residue from that from that as well and what I'll do is in the show notes of this episode, I'll put before and after photos in a link to the before and after album. So you guys can take a look at this, but there was remarkably very, very, very low and little amount of like, basically I didn't notice any when I bought it, any, any water damage at all. So moving forward, we're getting to the finish line. And I always feel like projects start to crawl whenever you're in the last 10% for whatever reason, they always go really fast in the first 10, 15, 20%, but last 10, 15, 20%, it's feels like it's crawling but I guess we're typically just waiting on things we're waiting on things that we've ordered to come or contractors to free up some time to be able to go out and get the jobs done but we're getting really close so I stop by make a punch list for our guys the appliances have been delivered at this point and I find a couple things that were really in the scope of work the things that I'm noticing as an investor and just you know just somebody walking through a house of things that would really help make it look better and easier to sell and Just not things that anybody else that's going to be a buyer would walk through and see. So like, for example, there was like a big chip in the, in the concrete floor in the garage. And I'm like, you know what, Walking this property right now, like if this chip was filled, it'd just be so much better than if it's not. So I added that one of the cabinets was rubbing, added that the fridge was too close to the countertop and it was rubbing. So we either needed to move a cabinet or just somehow figure out a way to fix it. Right, things like this. I didn't want the buyers to come through after we had listed it in a week or two and try to open the fridge and see it's rubbing. Like these are the little things that you just want to go in. And this maybe took me 10 or 15 minutes, folks. This isn't an all day thing. Just walking through just as if I had never been there and I'm checking it out. So I find the punch list, I send it to my guy. In fact, I think I left to go sailing in the British Virgin Islands the next day. I was gone for a week, it was amazing. Best vacation I've ever taken in my life. While I'm gone, they're up there updating it, getting it ready, mulching it, doing all the things that we need to do to give it curb appeal. We're about a week out at this point. Mike calls and gets the sign. We always put the We Buy Houses sign for marketing in the front yard while we're rehabbing. And at this point, we're getting really close. So he calls our sign company and says, hey, can you go out and change the We Buy Houses marketing sign to a coming soon sign? A week goes by, I get back, it's ready. We go over together. This is probably about my fifth time. And we do one more minor punch list. Now keep in mind, I'm not demanding my, my GC or my contractor to do these extra items that are outside of the scope of work. That wouldn't be very fair. I wouldn't want someone to do that to me. So I'm obviously paying him for these additional things. And there could be change orders and or things that we find that affect it. My biggest advice with working with contractors is make a friend. Friends aren't going to screw you over like some stranger. They're going to be reasonable. But know that you need to be reasonable too. And if you just can get that simple thing together and keep an eye on them and communicate with them often, I mean, even though I'd only went to this property, you know, six, seven times, give or take, I talk to my GC almost every two or three days at a minimum, sometimes daily in the beginning. Very, very, very good communication. So it's ready now. Boom. Loving this. Private money lenders reaching out, saying, how are things? I'm updating them with pictures. He's like, holy cow, this is such a cool deal. You guys are making this house look so beautiful. It's going to sell so fast. He's loving it. We're loving it. We didn't use any of our own money to buy it and fix it. It's amazing. Everybody wins. GC got paid. Everybody wins. We helped his guys stay busy. So they're getting paychecks every week. Title company got paid to help us buy it. Agent friend of mine got paid. So many people win when you do real estate deals. It's amazing. So Mike, my partner's a broker. Oh, and I just got my real estate license yesterday. I'm super pumped about that. So I'm gonna start being able to help with this too. But as of a week ago, I didn't have it. Well, this is really, yeah, about a week ago. Well, the the, the listing was about a month ago. Let's talk about that, right? So closed it a week ago. But the listing was about a month ago. Mike listed it, which helped us save money on the commissions to list it. And we still offer a 3% or 2.7, whatever it is, to the buyer's agent. So they won. We ended up having it listed for probably about three or four days. And we listed it like on a Monday or a Tuesday. And we basically said, submit all offers. All offers will be considered Sunday by, I want to say 7 or 8 p.m. Offer deadline is, you know, 4 or 5 p.m. So basically what we were telling everybody is, is like, don't send us an offer that expires in 20 minutes. You know what I mean by that? Like right away. We're not interested in doing this. Give us your final and best. And what we were able to do is we priced it really, really aggressively, not over what we thought we would get per se or, or way, way under. Just we figured we would priced it. I think we did like five or 10 grand under what we figured we would get. But by being aggressive with that number, we ended up getting like 25 showings. And I want to say five or six offers within the first three or four days. So it was amazing. We didn't have to haggle and deal with a bunch of stuff. While there was a showing, the banister fell off. I don't know if somebody was leaning against it or what? maybe maybe it was an accident. Maybe it something happened, regardless. Another reason why I had to go back, or actually Mike went in that case. He met the g c over there, and they figured it out. Something wasn't done right, but they fixed it. No problem. Over the weekend, we reviewed our offers, and I believe the offer that we got was like twelve or fifteen thousand over our ask. And it was a good offer, so we' accepted the offer, they did some inspections, found a few things that we were able to just fix. Didn't really cost us much, maybe another three or 400 bucks, because you know we were pretty good about making the property look great before we listed it. We didn't leave a bunch of items. They found this and that, you know, no problem. Oh, and by the way, we carpeted the basement and kept that, you know, lower level 50-60 percent finish down there, which is great. Don't think we had to do anything with the HVAC or the water heater in this one and or the roof. So, you know, those three things alone probably would've added another 20, 25,000, give or take, which we didn't have to do, which was great. Again, that's just due to the way the fire happened and, and took place. Okay, moving along. So we're at the closing table and Mike and I were projecting like 90 grand and in, 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 re, in return in net profit after closing costs, seller concessions, agent fees, taxes being prorated, insurance, utilities, of course, all the private money loans and interest. But because we only owned it for a couple months, a lot of the a lot of the holding was was very minimal and we got over asking price. So we ended up netting 108,000. It was a triple digit flip on this little deal. And again, it was a 13 or 1400 square foot property. It wasn't like this big house but we were able to buy it right. And if you listen to any of my episodes, any of my content, you will know that I consistently say, you make your money when you buy, you get paid when you sell. That is the whole purpose of the Discount Property Investor Podcast. This is why our our coaching business and our our real estate education products are are all under the Discount Property Investor umbrella because that's what we do outside of helping people and solving problems. The bigger the problem, the bigger the discount. So we make our money when we buy, we get paid when we sell. I had an MAO 105, I was gonna offer 85 to 90, but the seller only wanted 65. So that was basically an additional 40 grand that we made by buying it right. Even if I would've paid the MAO number, I still would've made 60. We still would've made 60, which would've been above average on our flips. We're usually making 35 to 40 on, on our flip, sometimes more, but we're probably averaging roughly 40. So we were gonna do better already at 60, but because we bought this one right, we were able to make 108,000. I went there one more time before it closed to just grab anything else that was left behind, throw it in my car, clean it up, be courteous to the buyers. And I hope Mike ordered the sign to be picked up. I'd imagine he did. He's definitely on that kind of thing. Otherwise, it's in their garage. We'll have to go grab it. This happened last week. We just closed on it. And it wasn't hard, guys. I didn't do a whole lot on this deal other than show up when my friend called me. I didn't chicken out. I didn't say, oh, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know what I'll offer to make. I went. Somebody called from my networking efforts because I tell everybody I buy houses. If you keep your business a secret, nobody's going to know you have a business. Gotta let everybody know you got a business. She called and said, Hey, come check this out. I think it's a good number that will work for you. You know, when can you view it? And I said, when can you show it? Let's go. And I got there. I had a number in mind. I asked the very most important question though. Hey, what's the number that's to buy it now? You got to always ask. And full disclosure, full transparency, guys, 99 times out of 100, that number's going to be above what you're willing to pay. But if you don't ask, you can't hit that grand slam. If you don't step up to plate, you're never going to have any opportunity to hit anything, right? So you got to ask, hey, what's what What are you looking to get for it? And then I didn't get too excited. I walked around. I made it work. And I want to circle back before we wrap this episode up, too. Think about all the people that won on this deal. The seller got what they wanted. They didn't lose. They were happy. They didn't have to deal with this problem anymore. It was done. They knew we were making money. Of course they knew we were making money. If they didn't want, to, want, to, want us to make the money then they would have rehabbed it themselves. They didn't want to deal with it. The agent won. Title company won. General contractor won. All of his employees and workers and subcontractors and all the third party companies like the window companies and the landscaping companies they all they all got a piece of the deal taxes were paid insurance company got a piece of it mike listed it another agent got paid our brokerage made a little bit on it title company got paid again new insurance company got paid buyer had a lender that lender got paid writing the loan for them. They had to get insurance. Title company again in the transaction and the agent on the buying side. So many people, like 50 people, essentially had a piece of this deal and got got to eat off of it and and work and make money. And we also made the neighborhood better again. We turned a fire-damaged vacant house into a home for our buyers. And we obviously won because we had fun we get to use this as a great case study to help educate you all. And we got to walk away with 108k, which isn't too shabby. One of our better fix and flips. So guys, this isn't rocket science. And one of the main lessons that I want to convey before we wrap up here as well is, is that we work smart, not hard. I, I was able to leverage all of these other individuals, not in a bad way, not in a take advantage way, in a great way that everybody's happy about. Leverage my private money lender to buy it without one nickel of my own money. Leverage my friendship with the agent who I networked with to bring me the deal to get the deal and to hopefully get more. I leveraged the title company to do all the title work and make it clean. I, re- I leveraged an insurance company to protect my risk and my lender my lender's risk. I leveraged the GC and all the subcontractors to get the place going from A to Z, from old to new, from fire damage to ready to buy. Leverage the brokerage to list it and other agents to help sell it for us. And then, of course, title companies again to make sure the title process is clean. I don't know the first thing about title. I don't have to. There's a title company on every corner. It's a waste of time trying to learn it. And then we, of course, leverage the lender that helped out the buyer. That was kind of third party, but there's just so many people that are involved but we don't have to be the expert at it. What we have to do is have confidence to get out and make offers and help people and then bring all these people together so they can all get a piece of it too. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. I always enjoy helping, teaching, coaching, mentoring. Speaking of that, have you heard the last episode I just published about real estate school? I highly encourage you guys to come check it out. It's a free community I've just built. It hosts everything. Live trainings, product demos, free courses on wholesaling, landlording, private money, data, and more. A place to collaborate, communicate, join venture, learn all of the trainings and calls or Zooms. We stay after and answer questions. We're not here to sell you anything in school. Check it out, skool.com forward slash real estate, or go directly to it at reischool.com. I can't wait to work with you guys. Hopefully I can joint venture with you or you can sell me some deals. But if you're new, just come and learn. Come and network. We do virtual REIA meetings on Sunday evenings and you can come and connect with other individuals. We can share wins. Love that we're sharing wins. So that's a wrap. Thanks for listening, guys. Check out Real Estate School. It's amazing. I'll have a link in the show notes as well. Leverage other people. Don't be afraid to go out and run appointments and make offers and understand that this business doesn't have to be difficult. This isn't rocket science. But also understand this, this is the discount property investor way. We buy deals. So we also have to understand that this is a marketing business. This particular lead came from networking, which is still marketing. It's marketing that has a budget of time, not a budget of money. You can do this as well. Go out and market with your local agents, guys. All right, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Check out Real Estate School. Until next time, signing off. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit FreeWholesaleCourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy, you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth.